This is the Joe and Amber podcast. Lakers Nuggets will be an 8.30 p.m. tip-off tomorrow, and you've got a couple teams, a team in each conference, that found themselves from the play-in tournament all the way to the conference finals. Joe and Amber's presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. So the Miami Heat found themselves having to play for their lives, Joe, and now they are in the Eastern Conference Finals once again. A very different story from last year. It's the same conference finals we saw last year, but the Heat last year, the one seed this year now, they were the eighth seed. They played their way into this thing. The Los Angeles Lakers also had to play their way into this thing. So you've got two teams from the play-in tournament Do you think that's good news for the NBA? We had started to have this conversation a little bit earlier in the show, and you were doubting it. I mean, I can see it both ways. On one hand, I think it creates an opportunity for good teams who run into problems during the course of a season, whether it's injuries. In the case of the Lakers, there were some injuries, and they needed to overhaul the roster, which they did right around the trade deadline. This gave them an opportunity to get into the postseason, which is ultimately what the NBA wants. You want your stars in the postseason, and the extra games that come from the play-in are sellable as well. So it's all about the money. On the other side, for teams who punt on the regular season, seemingly like Miami did, it gave them a backdoor as well to find their way into the playoffs and then to try to make some noise. And given how the number one seeds might not necessarily be as daunting as they've been in years past because you don't have every team going all out to acquire the one seed, it's not as hard to work your way from the bottom of the bracket up. So I think it's a good thing, ultimately. I don't feel like it dilutes the product. I certainly enjoy the extra games. How about you? I think it's a great thing for the reason that Kendrick Perkins had said earlier when he was on with us. And if you miss anything here in Joe and Amber, you can check out the podcast on the ESPN app. When Perk was on with us, he said it makes those weeks leading up to the postseason so much more exciting. And he's right, because those games used to be trash weeks in the NBA. Nobody was really watching. The seating was largely already in place. And it just wasn't particularly interesting. And it has made things much more interesting, I think, in the second half of the season. And then, of course, you get the time period of the actual play-in games, which makes it much more interesting than it used to be where those teams were just slotted in there. So I do think that there is some extra juice to it. It's a March Madness-style tournament. I mean, we love that stuff. Who doesn't like a one-and-done, right? Or a two-and-done in in the scenario if you're the higher seat. So I do think overall it's exciting and it's fun as we lead into the real playoffs. I think that it gives the appearance, like you just said, though, that these teams are punting on the regular season and then still finding themselves in an advantageous situation. Now, I don't agree with you that the Heat punted on the regular season, by the way. That's my team. I watched them all regular season long. I don't think they punted at all in the regular season. I think they weren't good. I, I, I'm just being transparent. I think they were not very good in the regular season. I think that they found another level here. I think part of it is the role players stepping up in ways you didn't expect. I think that there are players who save themselves for the postseason. I think it's conceivable to say a Kevin Love, right, or a Kyle Lowry save themselves more for the postseason. Those are vet dudes on easily the the back end, I mean the very back end of of their careers uh, in the case of both of those guys. And so you could see how they would save themselves. I do believe in playoff Jimmy, so I do think he takes it up to another level during the postseason, but I don't think the team as a whole punted on the regular season by any means i mean they stunk on the road 
And they had no problem going to Milwaukee in game five and closing them out and taking care of the Knicks in road games as well. So, yeah, maybe they didn't punt, but it was certainly a different team, and it's hard to get behind the idea that, like, oh, they just found lightning in a bottle at the absolute most important time, right? Like it was. I mean, they're just, li- they're not it wasn't the week enough, before though. the playoffs started. It wasn't, you know, a couple games into the playoffs. It wasn't a month before. It was literally when everything started to matter, they started playing well. Not saying you're wrong. It's just hard for me to get behind the notion that they didn't punt on the regular season when they were so lethargic, especially on the road, through the majority of the regular season. And then just like that, they're playing as competitively as any team in the playoffs. That's fair. I just don't think that they're good enough. The individual players on that team aren't good enough to punt on a regular season. Like, Jimmy can do it. Jimmy can take himself up to another level in the postseason, and I do think there's some reality to Jimmy Butler taking it a bit easier in the regular season, even though he was good the second half of the season, still sticking up to another notch here in the playoffs. But you can't do that if you're Gabe Vincent or if you're Max Struess, right, or or a Duncan Robinson who was having a terrible season. Like, those guys aren't good enough. None of these other names on the Heat are good enough to go ahead and throw away a regular season, let's be honest. You can do that over in Lakerland a little bit more easily. Like, you could do that if you're a LeBron James or you're an Anthony Davis you got a lot more job security than a Max Struess so there you can load manage there you can kind of punt on the regular season more but even with the Lakers I don't think they punted on the regular season I think it was those adjustments that they made at the trade deadline that end up really paying off I think they found something in the second half of the season for the Lakers well yeah they're a completely different story than Miami my, the Lakers completely changed their roster from February on. They made a series of deals that reshaped everything they were doing, and they got healthy when, they, when it mattered. So that their, their problems were all self-inflicted for a variety of other reasons. It's not that they weren't trying. The Miami one is the situation where I think, eh, maybe they didn't take it seriously. Whatever the case ultimately is, I'm in favor of more competitive basketball games. Whatever it takes to have more games that are competitive – I'm for it. I don't know if it requires an expansion of the playoffs. I don't know if it requires a shortening of the regular season, a midseason tournament. I don't know. That's not what they pay me to do. I can tell you that when this stuff gets competitive, it becomes extremely compelling. I can also tell you that when a Thursday or Wednesday night during the regular season, I'm set to see Jokic versus Giannis, and two hours before that matchup is set to be played, one guy scratched because, you know, it's his third game in four nights. I can tell you I have no interest in watching that game at any point moving forward. I'll catch up on the box score and the highlights. So I don't know what it's going to take, but more competitive basketball is the answer. This is why football is such a dominant product in this country. It's always competitive. Every week matters when it comes to your division, when it comes to your playoff seating. You don't get to take off for an entire month and things work out through a back door into the wild card later. You have to show up week in and week out. Sure, there are times where you get stuck with a quick turnaround and a long travel date on a Thursday night or your third road game in four weeks and it makes it difficult, but there's no punting in the NFL. It's why we are attached to every game they play, even the Thursday night games, because they're all competitive. You can't take it from 82 down to 17. I know that's not going to happen. That That would be hell of exciting if they did, though. Coming up next here on Joe and Amber. They had Joe about ready to jump on the bandwagon, but then on Sunday, they were the same old Philadelphia 76ers. We'll get into Joe's team next. Joe and Amber is on ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber, the podcast. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. 
You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Previously on Joe and Amber. What you will come to find out with me is that over the course of a season, I will bash my team right up until they're at a point where the entire country's behind them, and then I'm back on the train. Typical bandwagon fan. With the Phillies, the second they got to the NLCS, I couldn't stop talking about the Phillies. I was gushing over them. Same thing with the Eagles. They're not going to get it done. They're overrated. They stink. This is They're going to blow it. Hurts isn't that good. Then they went to the Super Bowl, and boom, just like that, I was on the train. And then I pick against them when they're in the Super Bowl so I can win one way. I got a whole system. You're going to learn the system. Um, There's a science to it. Got it. The system was in place. And then the system failed you, Joe Fortenbaugh, because you started, you started to say some positive things about your Philadelphia 76ers. I think you might have fallen for the rope-a-dope. You had a little hope there at the end. And then the Sixers went and Sixered. They did what they always do. They get knocked out by the season, the second round, 112 to 88 in that final game. If that's what you really think, I'm going to send you a phone number of my friend Matt. He and I have children who are in the same class. We've known each other for a little while. We were watching the game together yesterday. It was roughly tied, right? It was a very close game at halftime. And then the second half unfolded the way it did. And he looks at me at one point and he goes, you're taking this extremely well for a Sixers fan. And I looked at him and I said, this is the same thing that happens every year. There was literally not an ounce of emotion on my behalf that was spilled on that franchise of bums yesterday. I would not allow it to happen. There was a point when they were up 3-2, it was like, okay, okay, is this going to be the year? Are they finally going to find their way past the second round of the playoffs? Because at that point, I'm in. Now I'm fully committed and I'm on the bandwagon. But they didn't get there. They did what they do best, which is choke in the big spot. You have a coach who can't close, an aging star in James Harden who can't close, and a franchise player in Joel Embiid who's never closed. And they didn't close. I don't know what was so shocking to us yesterday when we saw that result. But for those who were surprised, I have a bridge I can sell you. It's very nice. I'll give you a good deal. Uh, 
yeah, MVP franchise player in Joel Embiid who has never oh, closed. Oh, yeah. And I forgot about that. Great regular bad. season he had. What a yeah, regular season. He won the regular season, Joel. And now it looks like that's all Embiid cared about. You know, I mean, we got like – we. He said before he won the award, he didn't care about the award, right? Then he wins the award, and it was so obvious how much he cared because he was crying. He was very emotional, which is understandable. His first MVP award's obviously something he very much wanted. Now it feels like that's what he wanted out of the season, and maybe not so much a championship. They do not get it done. They let the Celtics dominate the second half. They let Jason Tatum dominate the fourth quarter in this game. Joel Embiid yesterday put up 15 points, eight boards, an assist. James Harden did what James Harden does in game sevens. Hardly showed up. Nine points, six rebounds, seven assists, though, in that game. Joe and Amber is presented by Progressive Insurance. And Joel Embiid, the Sixer center after the game, had some interesting things to say about him and Harden. It's going to take, you know, more than us. We all got to look at ourselves. I got to be better and I will be better. Uh, that's what I'm focused on. All of us, uh, we got to, you know, come back and uh, find ways uh, to just keep improving and, you know, help the team. You can't win alone. I can't win alone. I can't. Me and James, we just can't win alone. You know, that's why basketball is played 5-on-5. Five five. So, you know, we just need everybody to just try to keep finding ways to get better and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be fine. No, it's not all about the points column, but you can't win alone. I mean, Tobias Harris put up 19. Uh, Tyrese put up 17. I mean, they 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 put up more points than Joel and, and a heck of a lot more points than Harden. It feels a little bit disrespectful to the other guys on his team. Also, it's, he's the MVP. Yeah, it, it look, it, whatever he says doesn't matter. He's soft. The, the entire organization is soft. That's the thing, and that's what no one understands. This culture was built in in Charmin soft losing that's what they did this is the one a long time ago though but that's when you when you set the foundation and you you set a plan in place remember he calls himself the process we're not removed from that he's the face of it he refers to himself as the process that's his portion of it that image (laughs) that image that branding that goes way back to the start of this when the whole thought process was look we're going to do a ton of losing We're going to do as much losing as we possibly can because then we're going to get high draft picks. And with those high draft picks, we're going to get good players. And with those good players, we're suddenly going to start winning. The problem is that they were really good at losing and then they weren't good at anything else after that. They didn't know how to draft players, develop players, trade for players. They made a series of mistakes and blunders throughout the course of this entire thing. And now they're in a situation where they can't get past the second round because they don't have the toughness. They are a weak team. They fold up shop every single time. They've been to the playoffs six years in a row. They've been a three-seater better in four of those six years. They've never been past the second round. Five times they've won in the first round and lost in the second. One time they got swept out of the playoffs by the Celtics. That was in the bubble. Every year, people assume the expectation in Philly is to win a title and that that's why Philly fans are upset. No Philly fan is upset because they didn't win the title. We're upset because once again, they showed zero progress. And then Embiid does a tone-deaf interview after the game saying, oh yeah, we'll be back next year. We'll make progress. What progress are you going to make? You guys have been talking about making progress for a decade. You make no progress every single year. Every year it is the same result. There is no progress. Now Harden saying he doesn't want to play for Rivers. Okay, so when he's gone, what's the next plan? Oh, we'll just trade for Damian Lillard. Sure, that sounds easy enough. I'm sure that'll work out and all your problems will be solved. How far removed are we, though, from Sam Hinkie? Like, how many GMs have there been 
since Hinky. He was only there for three years. He left in 2016, I think it was. Like, we are so many years removed from this idea of the process. I understand the process resulted in Joel Embiid, and he calls himself the process, so that's the constant reminder. Beyond him, at some point, it's a new era, isn't it? I mean, I just, I have a hard time attributing it to this idea that it's the losing culture because of what Hinky did, uh, what's darn near a decade ago at this point, frankly. Well, they've got no killer instinct. There's no killer. There's no toughness. Embiid needs to be the guy that goes out there and wins that game yesterday. He's got to be the guy that goes out there and wins it at the end of game six. He's the MVP. He's the star. That's when LeBron drops 30 on the Warriors in game six to close them out. It's when Jokic goes nuts. The stars show up in the big spots and they lead the way. They don't fizzle out like he did and then blame the supporting cast afterwards. That's chicken you know what. And on top of all of this, the guy who dropped 50 on you yesterday, you were the idiot organization that traded up to one with Boston mm-hmm. so that you could take Markel Fultz, who couldn't even get on the court, allowing Tatum to fall to Boston so he could eliminate you again. The stench of the process is everywhere. It's never going away until all these players are out of the league. It's never going anywhere. I mean, Tatum was right there. Right, they could have had Tatum. Also, the other guy Tatum's about to play against, they had in Jimmy Butler. They didn't have to let him leave, right? They could have tried to keep him happy. And yeah, no, they side with Ben Simmons. Ben right. Simmons, who's ben trolling Simmons. them from a couch. Mm-hmm. Ben Simmons, who was tweeting out pictures. And by the way, man, it pays uh, to not play basketball because Ben Simmons' house is beautiful. But that's a whole different conversation. Alan they should Hahn. trade to bring him back. He is charm and soft like the rest of that team. He fits them perfectly. They never should have gotten rid of him. Simmons is emblematic of everything that's wrong with that franchise. They don't want to play. They can't show up. It's always someone else's fault. Better luck next year. It is the same garbage from that franchise every single year. No accountability, nothing. I'm so down on Joel Embiid also from those comments after. And just the way that this postseason has gone from him. I mean, Jokic looks easily, and it's not a postseason award. Jokic looks easily right now like the far better player. It's hard to ignore that, even though, yes, it's a regular season award. I'm surprised Jimmy Butler is best friends with Joel Embiid, frankly, because you look at a player like a Jimmy Butler who's doing it with the supporting cast of Max Struess and Gabe Vincent, and then you have Joel Embiid who's actually an MVP out here talking about, well, we can't do it, me and Harden. James Harden, we can't do it all on our own. It's like, what are you crying about? You, you have so much help in, in Philadelphia. You have so much help in Philadelphia. It is well, very... everyone else's problem. It's everyone else's problem. He's never going to be the guy to go out there and win it. He just can't. He had that shot from Kawhi Leonard dropped right in his face in game seven. That's the emblem of Joel Embiid. He's so close, so close. And again, we're not talking Buffalo Bills Super Bowl close. We're talking about maybe you can get to the conference finals. In the last six years in which the Sixers have made the playoffs every year and have never gone to the conference finals, 14 NBA teams have been to the conference finals. That's half the league has gone to the conference finals, and they're not one of those teams. That's wild. Uh, yeah. And all that being said, I would still gladly take Joel Embiid down in Miami if he wants to come down and play with his boy with open arms because that dude can ball. Joe and Amber, the podcast. So the Warriors seemed like they had a two-tiered plan. Win championships with their core group while de- developing the next generation 
who would end up becoming their core group. The plan was going beautifully last season, or so it appeared to be. This season, eh, not so much. And now the questions start to begin about whether that plan is going to change. Joe and Amber's on ESPN Radio. All you have to do is tell your smart speakers to play ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Before we get into the Warriors' future, let's get into trying to make you a little bit more money. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. Let's go to the diamond. Very rare around these parts, but our options are starting to thin out, so there's going to be a lot more baseball around here. It's the Dodgers and the Twins. This is a first five innings bet, so the only thing that matters is the first five innings. Everything after that does not matter. We are betting over four and a half runs in the first five innings. Noah Syndergaard is pitching for the Dodgers tonight. He's been terrible this season. 6-1-2 is his ERA, and since 2019... No pitcher has allowed more base runners to steal on him than Syndergaard. Minnesota, who doesn't steal often, should have a lot of success tonight getting runners into scoring position. Meanwhile, Pablo Lopez is going for Minnesota. He's been solid this season, but again, he's facing a Dodger lineup that ranks number two in Major League Baseball in OPS, weighted on base average, and weighted runs created plus. A bunch of nerd stats, don't worry about that. It just means the Dodgers are very, very good at hitting and scoring runs. Pizza money number two, Dodgers, Twins, first five innings over four and a half runs. The streamers fly as the Lakers, the seventh seed, will face Denver for the Western Conference title. We've gotten past a, a two really phenomenal teams. This recent one being world champions four times over. So the Warriors season came to an end at the hands of the Los Angeles Lakers. And this was not at all, Joe, the same Warriors team that we saw win a championship last season. They certainly had their struggles all season long and had their struggles in the postseason as well. And it seems like that Warriors plan of sticking with their core, continuing to win championships while developing the next generation, all of a sudden seems like it could be not going according to plan. So last season, they win the championship. They still get the most out of Curry, Green, and Thompson. They still get quite a bit out of those guys this season, but it's pretty obvious Clay Thompson's not the same guy that he once was. Draymond's not necessarily the same player that he once was. Steph is still phenomenal, but he can't do it all. And it was that youth movement that was supposed to carry them through. They drafted Jordan Poole. They trade for Andrew Wiggins. They draft James Wiseman. They draft Jonathan Kaminga. Moses Moody. They bring in guys like Gary Payton, the second fringe guys that they are developing as well. The youth movement certainly helped them in last year's championship and this postseason. It fell very short, especially guys like Jordan Poole. So Joe Lacob is a very aggressive owner. He's been fantastic since he took over the franchise. He understands he's got to spend money, got to spend money to make money. He's been willing to do that. He's been willing to take care of his guys. But now we're reaching that interesting crossroads because Steph Curry's a generational talent, and you still have time to compete with Steph Curry. The question is, are your emotions going to get in the way? Draymond Green, last year of his contract, he's got a player option. Is he going to exercise it? Is he going to want a long-term deal? Are you willing to bring him back? I don't know if that'd be the right move, especially if you're going to keep Jordan Poole, because it's clear that there's issues there from when Green knocked out Poole back in the preseason. That video went viral. I think that was something that the locker room didn't get over. I think that was a problem throughout the course of the season. That's just my opinion, but I don't think they ever got over that. 
I don't know if you want Draymond Green back. Clay Thompson, it's going to be real hard to tell the fan base you don't want him back. One year left on the deal. He's due to make $43 million this year. He's not the same guy, but he is beloved in that town. 100% approval rating. People love Clay Thompson. Great personality, great guy. He's done a lot for the franchise, but what are you going to do long-term here? You're going to hand him a legacy contract? They've been paying Andre Iguodala for a little while to keep him around, and he hasn't done a whole lot on the court. He helps in other ways, kind of like Udonis Haslam in Miami, but ultimately the Warriors have some serious decisions to make, and it starts with how much do they want to continue to pay for the legacy, for what you have done versus what you're going to do? Because the Wiseman miss was a huge miss. Jonathan Kaminga could not get on the court in the postseason, and Jordan Poole looks like one of the worst contracts in the NBA right now. You know, when you have guys like Udonis Haslam, like you mentioned there in Miami, it's one thing when they're on a vet min for years and years, the 15th guy on the bench like UD was. It's another thing when you're talking about these players that have done so much for you, but you're considering how much you want to commit to them future money for past performance. I mean, yes, the Heat were willing to keep UD around all those years, but they weren't willing to give Dwayne Wade at one point past a certain amount of money, which is why he ends up leaving the organization. But also because those conversations were very different conversations because, of course, Dwayne Wade was commanding a whole lot more money than Udonis Haslam was. So it's not like they would want to get rid of Draymond Green or Clay Thompson. But the problem is the numbers, And what Draymond may be expecting if he wants to opt out to go ahead and get a few-year deal, which is probably what he's going to be looking to do. Do they want to commit themselves to a guy who is aging and not quite the same player when, again, you have these two sort of now competing philosophies that you're trying to move forward with? Kendra Andrews, ESPN's Warriors reporter, was on primetime. She discussed that two-timeline mentality. You know, over the last couple of years, they've been trying to balance this win now and best in the future, that two timeline, right? That famous saying, two timelines, it's not working. And as you guys mentioned, Stephen Curry, they feel has, you know, years left on his prime, not just playing, but to be excellent, to be the Steph Curry that we, we know him to be. And so they're going to do what they can to, to make this team get back to the championship level next season. So, I won't say that anything's off the table, but I also don't necessarily think they're going to be immediately picking up the phone right now trying to move off of Jordan Poole. Well, and I don't know if they'll be able to move off of Jordan Poole. I mean, they handed him a four-year, $123 million extension off of a breakout season, by the way, where he had everything to do with them winning that championship. Looks like a terrible deal now, but you mentioned there the problems with Draymond. Does that have something to do with it? And what is your philosophy there moving forward? Steve Kerr did say after the game over the weekend, he said, this is our core, you know, Curry, Thompson, green and they still have a lot left in the tank but of course he's going to say that he's also not necessarily going to reveal that maybe the Warriors have other plans moving forward moving Jordan Poole now unless you can somehow swindle some sort of great return isn't going to work trading a guy for pennies on the dollar no especially if Draymond Green's not going to be back because I'd like to see how he performs if Draymond Green is off the roster Green's clearly one of the big problems there, at least as it pertains to Poole. So if you move on from Green, see what happens for a year with Jordan Poole. Maybe things get better. Maybe that distraction, that issue, that problem is gone for him and his game goes back to where it was. Maybe it takes another step forward. That would be great for them. But they got to develop the young guys and they got to figure out what they're going to do with the rest of this roster. 
as much as I love Clay Thompson and as much as I know Joe Lacob will spend every last dollar that he can to keep this team as competitive as possible, $43 million this year, his best days are behind him. And while he's going to work and he's going to come back and he's going to contribute, if you're going to keep him around, you're not going to be able to give him every last dollar. If Clay wants to stay in the Bay Area, he's probably going to have to figure out if he wants to take less or he wants to try his luck somewhere else. Those guys have a great life there. They are absolutely beloved. But if you are looking to cash in on every last dollar, I don't know if the Warriors are handing out those legacy contracts at this point because this is it. When it comes to Steph Curry, these are the last few years coming up. And then good luck because you're going right back into the middle of the pack at best trying to figure it out. When you have a generational talent like LeBron, like Giannis, like Steph, you need to do everything you can to maximize your potential for winning at every turn. Because once that era is over, good luck trying to find it again. Well, right. And and is Lightning going to strike again for the Warriors? They drafted so well with this young core, right? Like they built this thing the right way, right way in air quotes. But a lot of people feel like that about this Warriors team because they did it organically and these are their guys. Steph Curry's 35 years old. If LeBron James at that position, the way LeBron James plays basketball, is still playing at the clip he's at. Now, he's not prime LeBron anymore. That's fine. But he is 38, so he is years older than Steph and still giving us a lot. Steph's game should age better. Steph's game should age better than most people's game in the NBA. So if he can take care of himself in that kind of way, in the LeBron kind of way, I mean, Steph could still be doing this at a high clip at 40. That's five more years. He can be dangerous for a while, absolutely, but you've got to have the help around him. That's what's going to have to happen. Who's the number two? They couldn't get scoring from anybody in that last series. Anybody. That used to be Clay. That's what made them so deadly. Clay could go nuclear for 30 points on any given night, especially in the playoffs. That's why we had Game 6 Clay. That doesn't really exist anymore. That was supposed to be Jordan Poole, but he's not going to help you. Andrew Wiggins is a nice piece. You have him under contract for the next few years. That's solid. But also keep in mind, you're going to lose some guys in the front office. Rumor is Bob Myers, who's been there a long time, doing a great job building up that roster and keeping things uh, balanced. He he might be moving on to other things. So there mm-hmm. could be some big, big changes coming for that dynasty. There could be big changes. James Steele just wrote on my screen, trade for Giannis. Um, sure. Coming up next. Oh, what, what are you going to trade, Steph? Like, who are you giving up for Giannis? Yeah, Jordan are you giving, for Giannis. Yes, all, the the Bucks would call and be like, we would like Steph and all your draft picks. Thanks. Depth is what killed them this year. Yeah, but then they would have Steph, Giannis, Clay, and Draymond. Yes, I'm sure the Bucks would <sighs> love, love to sign up for that. Coming up next. Your turn to weigh in. We are opening up the phone lines to you. Do you have any ideas as stupid as the one James Steele just threw out? Triple eight, say ESPN, 888-728-3776. Bring us your hottest takes. NBA playoffs is the Warriors dynasty over. Are we overreacting? Joe and Amber is on ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber, the podcast. The phone lines are open here on Joe and Amber. We love when you chime in and join the conversation. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Joe Fortenbaugh, at Joe Fortenbaugh. That's how you find him on social. Amber Wilson, at Amber W Sports. That is how you find me. Before we get to your phone calls, let's try to make you a little bit more cash. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. Just a quick recap that we have under six goals in the Kraken Stars Game 7 showdown. And we also gave you in the previous segment the Dodgers and the Twins 
first five innings over four and a half runs. I'd love to give you something else. We don't have anything else. Amber blew it. And I now I'm again. here trying it to clean said, up the mess. It said pizza money on my screen, which is like the hundredth time in a row that this has happened to us. I now. do I do send on a rundown. What I do appreciate, though, is every time this happens, which inevitably it happens every single show now, where James, now I think James is just doing it on purpose, where he leaves pizza money on my screen, he tries to confuse me, tells me to toss to it, and there is no pizza money. But I do appreciate every time this happens that Joe always tries to appease me by giving like a recap of the pizza monies. and I got you back. Nothing is something. So I do appreciate that. So there is no pizza money, but you know what there is? There's collar roulette. Let's do it. 13 black odd, no winner. Spin the wheel, make a deal. It's a game of chance. Let's play. Call a roulette with Joe and Amber. Triple H, say ESPN. Let's spin it. Terrence. Terrence is our loyal caller from Georgia. Hey, Terrence, thanks for the call tonight. What do you have for us? I got... uh... Jerry, Draymond Green going to the Knicks if he doesn't want to stay in San Francisco. I would love to have him on my team. He would be the most influential uh, floor general the Knicks have had since War Clyde Frazier. Thanks, guys. He's That's got a lot of value. He's got a lot of value because he brings incredible Incredible basketball IQ to your team. Incredible. He never gets enough credit for how smart of a basketball player he is. Right. He can facilitate. He can rebound. He can play defense. And he brings a world of championship experience. That's the type of guy the Sixers need. Someone to kick him in the rear yes. end when they're feeling sorry for themselves. They, he would be good. You're right. And I could see him being successful in a place like the Sixers. The Knicks, to me, are, are it's a young team. I don't know. Now, I, I don't know about Draymond as a mentor in any way at this point, though, in his career, because, you know, he did just punch Jordan Poole in the face. So there is that. That didn't seem to go so well this season for the Warriors. So I'd be a little concerned about him around these young guys that are, you know, kind of butting into stars and superstars in their career. Somebody like a Joel Embiid could handle Draymond Green. So I see what you're doing there with Philadelphia. Bring some toughness, some defensive mentality to that something franchise. Something like it's something. But again, you have to remember something. He's also very good friends with LeBron James. And the rumor for years is that at some point he was going to find himself on LeBron James's team. So keep that in mind if something should open up. I mean, there's nothing LeBron loves more than an aging star past his prime. So that would not surprise me at all from LeBron, the general manager. Let's spin it. Jonathan, Jonathan is calling us from Portland. Hey, Jonathan, thanks for the call. Go ahead. All right, so I want to see Dame get a ring. And if he can't get it in Portland, like if we don't get Wemby, I mean, how about trade Dame to Golden State for like Clay and a Draymond? I mean, you make the Blazers better. You get another guy that can make uh, spread the floor better for Curry. And I don't know. I, I don't know if that trade would work, but I would love to see something happen. I, I, of course, I'd love Dame to stay in Portland, but. Well, I, I, I hope you mean Clay and, and Draymond and draft pieces, because I, if I'm Portland, I'm not getting rid of Dame for aging stars by any means. Like if I'm Portland and getting rid of Damian Lillard at this point, I, I'm doing it to get more draft capital. 
why is everyone in Portland under the impression that they have a chance of getting Wembenyana? I yeah, don't he understand did say this. it there. He said it there. We always we hear it. It's not Wemby. just him, and I don't. I'm not knocking him it's, for it. It's, it's just not, I keep hearing that, it, and they don't have. They have the fifth best odds to get the number one lottery ball. Like right, Detroit, and that's why. Houston, they, and San Antonio all have 14. percent Charlotte has 12 and a half percent. Portland has 10 and a half percent. What makes Portland fans think that they have a shot at this thing? Well, the because they do have a shot, right? And if you have a shot, you have a shot. But also because. I believe with Damian Lillard's comments after his season, it was the first time that we heard Dame sound like maybe he would flirt with the idea of leaving Portland. And the way that he posed it, there was an implication there that he was waiting to see what happened with the franchise. And so I think the conclusion from a lot of Blazers fans has been, if we were to land somebody like Wemby, then he's not leaving, right? Then he's not going to try to force his way out. And and I think that's probably right because he has – been very loyal to that franchise. He must very much like, I think, his lifestyle there and living there. And so it seems like he wants to win a championship. He's now flirting with the idea at this point in his career of needing to leave in order to do that. But also if he had a reason, like a reason to stay, it seems like he would. I don't think it's like a disgruntled with the franchise situation. It's just, hey, I want to win a ring, and I don't know if it can happen here at this point. I agree. I think the one thing to keep in mind, though, is when you're talking about someone as young as Victor Wembanyama coming in and putting you over the top – these guys need time to develop and learn the right. NBA game. He's sensational. Don't get me wrong. But, like, look at Chet Holmgren. Everyone thought he was going to be a huge impact player, and the second he shows up, it's a Liz Frank injury, and he doesn't play at all for Oklahoma City this year. Uh, Bancaro in Orlando had a really solid year, but, like, they can only do so much as rookies in the NBA. That jump from being 19, 20 years old to the NBA is a monstrous jump. Monstrous, monstrous jump. jump. It takes time to learn how to be a pro. Monstrous jump. It absolutely does. Let's spin it. Hey, Mike in Manhattan, go ahead. Hey, what's up, guys? Yeah, to me, the biggest problem with the Sixers is Doc Rivers. I think he's a fraud. Uh, All these pundits nationally who would tell me he's a great coach. I mean, his track record is unmatched by any. He's the most overrated coach in sports. When I hear he's won a title... So has Mike McCarthy. He wins. Uh, he won a title living off that one title years ago, wins a lot of regular season games. But you see, in, he gets out coached in the playoffs, and he doesn't make mismatch adjustments. The Sixers lost it in game six when Joel Embiid didn't touch the ball for the last five minutes of the game. They had the Celtics on the ropes. They should have eliminated them on Friday night. Instead, they choke away that lead. And, of course, they had no chance of winning game seven because Doc Rivers doesn't win. If I'm the Sixers, I'd fire Doc Rivers, Daryl Morey, hire Nick Nurse. You get yourself an established right, we're coach. Up against and I, think it. I appreciate you I, you calling often. I appreciate you. We're just super up against it. Uh, I have often said that Doc Rivers is that coach living off of the one championship for far, far too long. If I'm the Sixers at this point, I'm moving on from Doc. Are you firing him, Joe? I'm not firing him, but he's on thin. I mean, if you could bring in Nick Nurse, I'd be looking at that. And I think that that's exactly what Sixers management might be looking to do. Coming up next, Freddie and Fitzsimmons. They will keep you up to date on everything. This has been the Joe and Amber podcast. You can listen to Joe and Amber live weeknights from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, or on your smart speaker. Joe and Amber, the podcast.